The following is brought to you by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. TotalSeal.com Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 2 of the Total Seal Podcast. My name is Joe Costello, and we're going to delve into the world of high-performance piston rings with the folks at Total Seal. We've got a great guest for you once again Pat Musi from Musi Racing Engines going to talk about nitrous oxide applications, huge cubic inches. It is going to be great. But first, let me bring on my co-host. He is the Director of Technical Sales at Total Seal, Mr. Keith Jones. Keith, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing good. think I'm still on a trip to Fan High from the Thanksgiving feast. Uh, but other than that, doing great. How about yourself? Very excited to hear from Pat Musi, knowing the arc of his career, uh, starting off street racing, then moving into NHRA pro stock, and then really just kind of going out on his own in terms of NMCA pro street with nitrous oxide, fuel injection, these massive cubic inch engines. I'm excited to speak with Pat. As much as the points-paying racing season has ended, the winter break is on, right? And so everybody is like revamping their program, maybe trying to find a little horsepower, uh, going through their combinations. I would imagine this is a very busy time for you guys at Total Seal. Yeah, it really is. It's uh, Everybody kind of you know, it kind of holds on for just a little bit till right up to around Thanksgiving, you know, and then bang, it just blows loose. And then after the PRI show, it's, it's all hands on deck. It's, it just gets absolutely insane, which is a good thing. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, what's new, what do you got? What can we do better? It's, it's definitely that time of the year. And that is maybe a little counterintuitive to some of the folks out there. They would think that once the racing season is over, uh, it, not that everybody goes to sleep and takes a two month long break. That's not what happens, but you've got to, you've got to revamp your program at some point, And in the middle of a racing season, that's not when you want to be doing it. Um, no, definitely not. Now's the time. You know, they generally will sit on most, I, I can't speak for every team, but most teams kind of hold their program steady throughout the season. You know, there's, there's always the, you know, the privateers and the guys that, you know, Hey, what about this? What about that? But guys like a Pat and you see her last time, you know, talking with Jason, they're going to pretty much hold their program steady throughout the year. And then now, you know, once you get to that break and, you know, as you and I just know, and, and as you said, that breaks no break. That's when they actually really start working. Uh, now we've got to revamp the program for next year and start trying stuff and dynoing stuff and, you know, doing all the R&D and cramming, you know, 48 hours into a 24 hour day and, you know, and making it happen for next season. When we talk about Total Seal, we always say the leader in ring seal technology, and we talk drag racing, but you guys work on applications in all competitive forms of racing, from Formula One to Stock Eliminator, obviously over the road cars. Uh, you know, what has been some of the more interesting uh, combinations you've worked on? Today, we're going to talk about giant cubic inch nitrous oxide engines that run in either PDRA or NHRA Pro Mod for the most part because I can't think of a more violent environment for a piston ring to have to survive in. What about you? When you think about challenging performance environments where you guys are having to build an application for, what uh, what tops your list? Well, like you just said, nitrous is one of the most violent environments out there. The, you know, engine we'll say classes of of racing and performance that i consider really hard on things 
One, of course, is the nitrous environment. Extremely difficult environment to manage. One little slip and it's over. I mean, you, you just don't get any second chances in that in that area. Other things that are, you know, where big cubic inch engines come into play, uh, some normally aspirated, some nitrous, some, you know, power adder. Uh, the marine market, very, very difficult on parts. And and you'll laugh, uh, off-road market, uh, off-road racing, the, 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 the constant loading and unloading of the drive shaft on those things really beats up bottom ends. It, it you know, wants to beat up rings and beat up bottom ends if you get to look at some of the telemetry on some of these off-road vehicles, how the drivetrain is constantly being loaded and unloaded as it's going over the ruts and the bumps, uh, really sends a lot of uh, vibration through the, you know, through the drivetrain and, of course, through the crankshaft, beats parts up. And, uh, but, yeah, marine and, and the nitrous stuff, really, really hard on parts. They just really beat stuff to death. It's interesting that you say that. And, of course, we think of, uh, you know, drag racing and, uh, you know, stock car racing, Formula One as, uh, you know, the pinnacle of, of motorsports, and certainly it is. But the track should be flat. Mostly, you know, for the most part, there's no undulations like you're dealing with in the ocean or uh, if you're in the desert. Yeah, and and those are, as you just said, that that loading and unloading of the drivetrain and you're running the engines at, you know, a very high percentage of output for a really long period of time. Uh, you know, it's not unusual to see, you know, marine stuff and, and off-road for that matter, uh, you know, running 80, 85, 90 percent. I mean, you know, they're darn near wide open almost all the time and this again this loading unloading of the drivetrain whether it be through the repeller or you know or through the drive shaft it really beats stuff up it, it, it's really hard on parts of course throughout the podcast at any moment you can go to totalseal.com and check out the website to find out more information it is uh my vision that we would have engine builders and folks that are curious about what the inner workings of the internal combustion engine uh, are and uh, want to learn more from some of these superstar engine builders that we are having on. It is fortunate that through the relationship that you guys have, we've been able to have some rock stars, and we will continue to. Pat Musi coming on just seconds from now. But uh, it's got to be very cool to work with some of the cutting-edge minds in engine building. It, it is. It's, it's fun brainstorming ideas. Uh, and, and in some cases, revisiting old ideas. You know, one of the things that you know gets asked all the time is what's new. And in the big scheme of things, there's really nothing new. I, you know, I mean, computers and the technology that comes from that computer, and you know, CNC, all this. You know, this technology allows us to manufacture parts that we couldn't make before. But it's it's really interesting to look back through time and through old patents. And uh, there's there's a lot of neat things that were done. And, and some of these conversations where I'm going is. You know, they'll come up, you know, they'll go, hey, hey, you remember one of these things? God, they used to do that back in the 50s and you know, or in the 60s, and, and it got forgotten. And we, we revisit that idea and bring it back and make it better with today's technology. And it, it's amazing, you know, this big circle of life, we'll call it, with, with ideas and designs and parts. And uh, it, it's really kind of exciting, especially dealing with guys who've been doing it for a while. So it's, you know, they, they've forgotten about things that I've never even thought of. So it, it's like I say, it's kind of fun. Very exciting. All right. You ready for Pat Musi? You betcha. All right, Keith, joining us now from Musi Racing Engines, a pioneer in nitrous oxide and fuel injection. At his first speed shop, 18 years old, back in New Jersey, Pat's speed shop has evolved to one of the cutting-edge engine builders out there. Pat Musi joins us now. Pat, welcome to the Total Seal Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Joe, and thank you, Keith. Um, appreciate you guys having me on the show, and 
I'll try to help you. Well, we're excited. I know I'm excited, and Keith and I were just talking about it. The uh, the violent nature of the nitrous oxide engine and getting them to make power and getting them to live, and you have been on the ragged cutting edge of this for seems like an eternity. Uh, talk a little bit about you know when you first started to to go and experiment with the nitrous oxide stuff. Well, it was a learning curve. You know, I'm a pro stock guy originally, so I look at things a little different. And then we got involved in the nitrous deal, and I picked up on it pretty quick. And then pretty early on, I switched to fuel injection, which gave me that tuning ability, and I'm glad I did. I did it almost 20 years ago now. I was the first EFI card to win an NHRA Pro Mod event with the EFI on it. We basically... We laugh about it, but it's really not. It's the way it is. We made any pro mod nitrous car have to put fuel injection on. I think all you guys know that. They all know that. You know, I mean, the carburetor days are over for that deal. And it wasn't uh, generally accepted, if I'm correct. Uh, when you guys start, first started showing up with fuel injection, which, as you mentioned, is now the standard, um, but. Then it wasn't the standard, and just like with anything that is new, uh, sometimes people scoff at it. Like, what's this guy doing with fuel injection? Oh, yeah, we got laughed at till we outran him, you know. A funny story I always tell, you guys know Ricky. Ricky's my NHRA car, and Chad Green now is kind of our two NHRA, let's say, shop cars, you know. Sure. But uh, Ricky went with me to Vegas with the uh, Stratus to help me out with the chassis. And I had fuel injection, and we're eating, and uh, we had got all done eating, and he said, you know, you'd have a pretty fast car if you took that crap off of there, the fuel injection, and put carburetors on it. <laughs> and I looked over at him, and I said, well, let's see what happens, buddy, because probably one day you're going to call me, and it wasn't, I wasn't Norwalk. I think he might have had it on at Norwalk, but anyway, it wasn't very long after that. He was struggling with the carburetors constantly hurting stuff and you know the motor got so big that you didn't have enough carburetor for it and uh he calls me up and he says okay i quit what do i need to do to put fuel injection <laughs> so i always remind him of that you know but it was you know and there was a guy you know you know how rick is he's setting his ways he's up one hell of a racer but um you know he he wants to work on what he knows and he, he, now he's comfortable where he does his own deal and tunes it. He would never go back to carburetors. Yeah, I, I agree with Pat. You know, I'm, I'm old school. Uh, you know, I'm an old carburetor guy, and, and, you know, I'm that stick in the mud that's, you know, ah, carburetor, carburetor, carburetor. But once I started getting exposed to fuel injection and just the sheer tunability of what it can do, uh, once you, you know, once you accept that, you know, that the carburetor is, you know, quote unquote dead. And, and I'm, you know, I'm sure I'll probably get, you know, a lot of people shooting daggers at me for saying that. Uh, but once you, you know, once you make that realization, the tunability of the EFI is just, it's just second to none. I don't, I don't know how you do it with a carburetor these days. Uh, you, you know, looking backwards, it's like, how'd you do it in the first place? So, uh, you know, I, I'm completely on board with that. The, the EFI and what that fuel injection, just the sheer cylinder to cylinder control that you have over it versus, you know, the hope and a guess with a carburetor that we all lived with forever. I mean, like I say, it's the reason these guys can do what they could do. I, I can't imagine, you know, Pat or any of the other guys out there that do this, 
having the success and more importantly, the reliability that they've got trying to do what they do today with a carburetor. It, it just, I just don't see how you could ever get that kind of consistency out of it. And well, Keith, don't feel bad because the carburetor guys hate me, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a second. It, 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 it depends on the application, right? And it makes perfect sense that, uh, you know, somebody who has a, you know, a bracket car, they just want to go fast, they're going to throw on a carburetor and not really be on the constant hunt for horsepower. But your particular application, Pat, I can understand that um, – it paid for you to be an innovator because you kind of created something that didn't exist with your nitrous oxide application. There is a, and, and you tell me you're the expert, but there is a constantly changing environment inside the cylinder where you need more fuel per, you know, millionth of a second. And with the fuel injection, you can adjust it. A carburetor, you just didn't have that adjustability. And that seems to be what makes the difference. Well, that, and in our case, the displacement, like I said, you would need three dominators or six two barrels to run a 900-inch motor, you know, to make it. And the other part with the nitrous, when you're running the amount of nitrous we run in a ProMod car, you get standoff, you lose signal to the booster. There's just so much going on. We knew all that before I switched to fuel injection because I'm a, I'm a dyno guy. I'm a fuel guy. So the first thing I saw, every system you turn on loses 20 to 25 pounds of fuel an hour, depending on the size of the engine, through the carburetor because it's not pulling as hard on it. So you have to compensate for all that stuff. For the fuel injection, computer's going to just do what you tell it to do, and that's the whole trick, finding a tune-up. You know, we can, And that's what we need to talk about, having parts like rings that live, pistons that live, and Total Seal's been a big part of that, you know, work, working with us on a ring. It's called the M2 material we use. And, uh, you know, they've worked hard on it. They give us consistent parts. And uh, it's all important. I mean, every part in our engine. I, I think that's what Worm UC Engines is really getting a reputation for is I'll look around in the pits. We'll make, you know, qualifying runs. Well, we've won races or lost in the semis, let's say eight runs. We never take the heads off. I look over, my competitors have got the heads off, a rack of rods and pistons. I'm not going to race like that. There's no way. I'm just not going to do it, you know. But uh, we try to good put, you know, I've built a good engine, came up with a, you know, it's a whole combination of things, camshaft and heads and how we run it and tune-ups. But, Getting back to the ring deal, it's a major part of the whole combination, and a company like Total Seal gives us that comfort level that we get the same part all the time. Well, and, and I appreciate that compliment, Pat. I, and, and we, like yourself, it really enjoy working with persons like yourself because, Pat, you know, not only is he a builder – uh, you know, of, of you know, the massively high quality part, but he's also an R and D partner for us. So when we want to play with stuff, you know, Hey Pat, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? What about this coating? What about this material? He's, you know, he's one of our go-to guys. I mean, this is, you know, I, you know, I have a go-to guy in you know, a, a round track car and a go-to guy in this car. Pat's my go-to guy. And, you know, I want people that I know, know to test the part and look at the part. You know, if I give a part to somebody to try, that doesn't have the background and the data acquisition and the knowledge that Pat has, 
you know, and, and they, you know, Hey, we didn't like it for this reason, or we didn't like it for that reason. Pat can quantify that. He can say, Hey, it did this, it did this, it acted like this. I can, you know, I've got to have that information back. And that's why he's such a valued, valued partner uh, with us on, on developing these products and making it better and better. Cause just like Pat said, I mean, you know, you got to knock the heads off this thing every round. There goes all the fun. And, you know, end of the day, you know, we all got into this at some point in time because we enjoyed doing it. Uh, you know, if you got this thing apart every single run, to me, the fun's out the window. Yeah, no doubt. You know, on that, I'll just give you guys a quick, you know, I'm, I'm always, I, I always get asked, how do you tune? How do you read plugs? What do you tune off of? Bottom line, keep me and you talked about this. And Joe, you got to let your listeners hear this. My final tune-ups come from when I get back. I'll take a running engine out of Lizzie's car or Tommy Franklin's or whoever, and I'll look at the parts. The motor will talk to you, period. And uh, that's how I come up with my tune-up because nitrous is uh, a funny animal. We have what we call standoff. Standoff is when you get so much nitrous in that plant and suspended, and it's swapping holes because it's flowing continuously, not like an injector controlling the fuel. So you have to compensate for that. And it'll actually, one intake valve will open across from the other bank, pull nitrous from that intake port because it's full, and you'll get more nitrous in that hole. So we get in the staggered jets, and that's how we figure it all out, by me looking at the engine. And I, I think I've come a long way on that part of it to give these guys reliability, give them a turnkey deal, you know, and having the parts, I mean, companies like Total Steel, you can't replace the reliability or the consistency of the part. I have to have that because I'm counting on what I look at. And if I see something, I can call Keith or call Matt or call somebody at Total Steel and pick their brain. It's just a good relationship. And I and I just want to jump in and I thank you for that, Pat, because you know, being you know the engine whisperer. You know, and like, as Pat mentioned, we did talk about this other day. You've got to look at this stuff. It's talking if you're listening. You, you've got to pay attention to everything. It's, it's almost it's as important or as more important disassembling it as it is assembling it. You've got to look at all the pieces. You've got to look at everything, you know, how the piston's rocking, how the rings are wearing, how the flank, you know, every little bit. It's telling you what it's liking and what it doesn't like. And when it's really happy, you need to document all that stuff. You need to look at, you know, like I said, piston rock, four finishes, you know, just everything you can imagine because it's telling you that's the combination of stuff that it likes. And you need to repeat that. Uh, it, it's all about looking at it when it comes down. It'll tell you a ton. How much, Pat, do you uh, delve into? You mentioned that this is your combination. And I think about the 903 for NHRA and the 959 for PDRA and Outlaws stuff. And uh, it, it looks like, uh, you know, hopefully that'll be available everywhere next year. Um, but ring location on, on the piston, is that something that you have found a happy place or do you still experiment with that? No, we have a happy place. You know, we have a, I guess about two years ago, we came up with a happy place for the material between the second and the top ring because it moves on, you know, it gets top happy, but... Too low is not good because it puddles fuel too high. It weakens it at the intake, you know, at the eyebrow. And so we've came up with a real happy place. Our pistons are pretty damn tough. You know, our whole combination is tough, I think. Um, and the ring, the ring is so critical. You know, we're, explode, we're exposed to a flame. Keith, I think I told you the other day, 
if we could somehow, I dream of Jeannie, pull a head off in two seconds at the end of a run, guaranteed that ring is glowing red. We all know that. And the post oh, is glowing oh, yeah. red. <laughs> so now what you're doing, you're only going to get X amount of runs, no matter how good you are, because the parts are annealing. They're heating, cooling, heating, cooling. So what happens? It starts to anneal. It starts to get soft. So you got to kind of know how many runs you can stretch this stuff. Look, it's kind of like top fuel. Those guys know how many runs they can get on a set of rings or a crankshaft. Well, we know all that now. It's a key deal figuring out your cycle time on these parts. I don't care how good the part is. It's going to get, it's exposed to an atmosphere, like you said, is pretty damn badass. Yeah. Oh, it is. <laughs> and Keith, what about, uh, you know, the cubic inches, just the sheer bore size that they are, they are running, you know, years ago, like people wouldn't even have imagined that that would have been possible. And now it's possible and, and maybe even common uh, at the highest levels. What kind of additional challenges does that present for you guys to make a ring that'll live uh, just in that in sheer size? Well, the bore size, you, you'll laugh. The bore size really isn't that difficult for us to manufacture the part. Uh, you know, we've got abilities to go well over five inch. So from a, you know, from a simple manufacturing point of view, it's not that difficult. But what becomes more difficult is heat treating processes, making, you know, really, you know, perfectly light tight rings, meaning, you know, if, if Pat's in a, you know, let's just throw a number on a five inch bore. Well, I've got to make sure that ring's perfectly rounded five inch. It can't be 80% good or 70% good at the level he's at or any professional builder at that point. You know, we've got to be 100%. That part has to be 100% light tight, meaning he works hard to come up with a perfectly round bore. I've got to make a ring that's perfectly round. And as the bore extremes go to each side, that becomes more difficult. But we've got that pretty sussed out. You know, we've, we've like Pat, been doing this a long time and, you know, put a lot of, a lot of effort. And, you know, the guys in the shop work so hard every day to, you know, really look at these parts and inspect everything, make sure they're absolutely perfect. Uh, so we, we work very, very hard on that. The, the thing that some people may not, you know, I know Pat understands it, but as the bore sizes get bigger, we've got to look at the oil volume in the engine, how much more surface area I'm covering on that cylinder versus, say, you know, a 4030 bore small block Chevy. And, and the whole point of that is I might be able to get away with an 11-pound oil ring at that 4030 bore in a small block Chevy. You're not going to do that in a five-inch bore nitrous motor. We're dealing with so much more volume, so much more oil, so much more everything that it, you know, the tensions have to go up with it to keep that cylinder clean and dry. And that's just such an ultra important thing in a nitrous engine. You get into, you know, any kind of oil migration and that's going to lead to detonation. And, you know, now you're taking the heads off every run. Yeah. And, you know, on that note, we were just talking to one of the piston guys that I work with about drain back holes. Keith, you know, this drain back holes, work in two directions going up and going down you know so feet feeds and drains really, you got it <laughs> feeds and drains you got it so <laughs> we struggle with that and we we do it we're still so we went top ring joe to your answer to the second ring now we're working with the oil ring and keith's working on some stuff for us and we're working on drain backs because you got just unbelievable amount of volume remember that piston coming down the second ring's a scraper. You got that compression going in the pan times eight. So just put that in perspective and think of what you got going on in the oil pan alone. 
Well, and that is what is amazing to me as, you know, a non-engine builder layman and, and finds this interesting in that, you know, the physics of it all, how you have been able to figure out a combination and then evolve it. Because as you mentioned, Pat, nobody wants to pull the heads off at the track. You will if you have to, but that certainly takes a lot of the fun out of the experience uh, and makes it a lot more like work. And we've seen the evolution. These cars are going down the racetrack. They're coming back, uh, coming back up in... You know, at the NHRA, if you make the final round after the semis, you've got maybe 30 minutes. So you don't have a lot of time if you want to be competitive. Exactly. Exactly, Joe. You hit it right on the head. You can't even – I don't think we can maybe possibly swap an engine out if it's, you know, like ours, a run engine. It's been run. Everything's on it. We've done it in 34 minutes. That's about as tight as you'd want to get, you know. Uh, But valves got to be adjusted. No warm-up, just, you know, in and out. I mean, that's about all you could do. I don't think you could possibly get a head off, get pistons, you know, in it and uh, do it. I would rather swap a motor, but we make it so you don't have to. We've been really lucky. Joe, you've been there. You watched us. You know, we've gone to finals. Ricky's won, you know, and uh, it's all about having good parts, living, sleeping, eating. What, What I'm... It's funny, you guys know I'm on the road. I'm driving to Orlando. We got a cylinder head that we kind of changed around. It's a new head. We built it last year, and we've been struggling with the tune-up with it. Well, I'm going to Orlando. Lizzie couldn't come from Mississippi, so put the motor in Tommy Franklin's car. We're going to spend two days just to wrap my head around the tune-up and get the thing happy, like you said. Motor has to be happy. It's no good if it makes one hero run. <laughs> Uh, boy, boy, isn't that the truth? It's like you say, it's a, you know, one run, one bullet. That's not gonna, that's not gonna help anybody win races. It certainly isn't gonna help anybody's back pocket. Absolutely not. Now, no. l- let me ask you, Keith. Do you have a question for Pat? You know, lifetime of experience. Uh, you know, many championships. Uh, you know, been on the cutting edge. Uh, I, I certainly have got one I want to throw at him. But do you have a question that might benefit? our listeners out there to, you know, put his expertise out there to the world that could benefit them in their uh, personal evolution. I keep using that word, but that's what it is, right? I think about 18-year-old Pat Musi starting the speed shop in New Jersey and the things that you knew and you things that you didn't know, right? The things that you know now. There's a lot of people out there that are getting involved in this hobby at maybe a smaller level, local level, doing what they can. But they need piston rings anyway. And so, is there anything you've got you've got for Pat? Well, I'm I'm, I'm sure given more time, I could come up with a hundred questions. But what's interesting is the one question I had, he actually already answered. And I, I Pat, you'll have to excuse me, but you used a term, and it, it and it absolutely it answered a question in my mind. I had a guy with a small Chevy, uh, and it's not a big nitro system, but he keeps burning up four. And six on this particular engine. NA, never a problem. But once he sprays it, he kills him. And long, long, long story short, I think you called it the stacking, or I, I'm not sure exactly what you yeah. said, but it's the nitrous it's building up, and he is fuel injected. Yeah. That's, that's his, because he's electronic fuel injected, and, and it only does those. And he's looking at flow on the injectors, and he's, you know, he's looking at air-fuel ratios, not on nitrous, you know, just on the motor and all that's good. But as soon as you said that, the light bulb went off in my head. It's like he is stacking so much nitrous in that thing. As soon as that thing starts to open the valve, it's pulling all the nitrous out of the manifold into that hole because it just destroys those holes. And you look at it, it's like there's no – the other six holes, they're perfect. I mean, they're absolutely perfect. These two holes, they're annihilated. 
you, uh, that was a question I had, but you answered it before I had a chance to actually ask it. <laughs> well, uh, and I'm a little, taking a little farther what I would do with that guy. You're never going to get it in timing. You're never going to get it in fuel. He needs to pull minimum four thousandths of nitrous away from them two holes so he gets it happy. Because it, and and he'll say, well, we're going to slow down. No, it's getting that nitrous from somewhere else. And then you'll start to get the motor happy. But don't be afraid of staggered jetting that stuff because you're going to have standoff. And it's going to go anywhere, depending on the firing order, the camshaft, or the manifold layout. That's just the nature of the beast. That's what you're working with. I, well, I, I appreciate that because, like I said, that, that answered it because he's been round and round and round, and I've looked at pistons, and it's like, like I said, I'm not a nitrous expert. I've played with it, you know, but nothing to the extent, not a tenth of the extent that you have. Uh, and that, like I said, that completely answered that. And I really appreciate that. Well, and the whole goal of this is that people learn a little something uh, about it from our experts and who've, who've lived the life. So I got two questions for you, Pat. And Keith, feel free to jump in on okay. this. Uh, well, first of all, mm-hmm. I, I want to ask about 18-year-old Pat Musi, right? Like, if you could go back to that guy now and tell him something, what would it be? Like, what would your advice to yourself be back then because I, I really like to think that there are a lot of uh, young people, maybe not the sheer numbers that happened back in the day, but there are still people that are in, invested in getting involved in cars and racing and and uh, and they want to learn. So if you could give yourself some advice and think about talking to those young engine builders out there, what would it be? Well, it, it's kind of funny. I'll answer it in a couple different ways, okay? Back in those days, and I had a talk with this guy, a new guy we're hiring. We're going to announce that he's kind of a high-profile guy. He's going to come to work with us. And um, we talked about the old days, and he was right at the cusp of you could go buy a cylinder-headed dart or you could go buy a blocket dart or whatever. You know, that transition, which happened in the 80s, somewhere about 82, I would say. Uh, GM did the bow tie block. Well, my days going back to when I was 18, you had to go to the junkyard, get a Corvette block or a Chevelle block, or and you had to work with that block. And then you went and got a head that was on a Z01 Corvette. And you got the welder out and you welded it. So we, it was a little different world in that you couldn't buy the parts. You couldn't buy, let's just, it's a total seal deal we're doing here. You couldn't buy that quality of ring back in that day. You had to work with what you had. So my advice would be back in in those days, if I told myself, don't ever change your work ethic for whatever hours it takes. And you know me, you see me, I'm wide open now and I'm 67, but you can imagine back then, you know, the hours we put in. So don't ever take that work ethic. Just stay at it. It'll come around. Just use your best judgment and, you know, just keep up the work. But, uh, as far as, you know, yeah, I mean, if, if I could go back in time and maybe pull some of them parts through with me, yeah, but we didn't have the parts back then, Joe, that you have today. Keith, anything to add on that? No, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with Pat. You know, I, you know, I'm, I'm 10 years younger than Pat, but I grew up in a very similar time because one, I didn't have any money to buy a good part. I remember when I bought my first set of bow tie heads in the mid eighties, uh, but then you got to port them. You know, you get this cylinder head, you look at that little teeny port, you go, well, that's not ready to go. And again, in my day, there was no you know guy to call with a CNC program. You, you know, you read what you read out of the old 
smoky eunuch books and, you know, all the books you could get a hold of and you figured out how to pour the cylinder head. And, you know, it, it made you learn how to do this stuff and, you know, and understand how all these things work. And, and I think it gives builders, you know, like Pat, that, you know, that, that one up because he was able to make quote unquote junk go fast. So imagine what a guy like him does when you hand him good parts, you know, that's, that's, the reason in my eyes, so many guys, you know, like Pat are able to exceed so well and do so well because they learned how to make the old parts hold up. And, you know, when you didn't have good blocks and you didn't have good cranks, you knew that you had to be careful with the tune up because, you know, that factory GM steel crank, well, it's only going to handle so much, but you figured out how to make it work because it's all you could get. And, and I'm, so I'm, I'm right there with you. And I appreciate, you know, that philosophy and mentality because that's how I grew up. And Pat, my, my next question could you ever have imagined the the popularity, the publicity that you guys are getting with Lizzie's success with No Prep Kings? I, I know you've got to be proud of your daughter, but the fact that she has become like a, a star in drag racing, a star on television, the fact that you guys have gone out there and had such great success in this world of, uh, you know, No Prep style racing course you spent your whole you know your early days uh, street racing then moved to the racetrack just the development of this scene that has occurred and now you guys are in the middle of it and your daughter is doing so well and that it is broadcast on television and it's one of the most popular shows out there like that whole thing it's got to it's got to be amazing to you it's got to affect you tell me what you think about just the whole the whole thing that has happened for the Musi family I'm not surprised at it because joe you got to remember if you go back to the tony christian the red and green car battle me and tony sure it was only because we had that horsepower tv following us everywhere we would get stopped in the airport so that was kind of the beginning of it the tv coverage and they have is making that deal now you combine it with a good performance and a you know a good clean act the producers told me and my wife and Lizzie, he likes the whole family deal. You know, Lizzie bringing her in the beams and we're tuning. And, you know, Kai came along and gave Lizzie that opportunity, that window. So we can't thank him enough. And we help him, you know, both of them all we can. But uh, so I guess I'm not surprised because I see the potential there. And I think it's only going to get bigger. But another thing I just want to touch on, Lizzie's a driver. I mean, and somebody asked me. What did you do? Did you send her to school? Absolutely not. Never went to school. She went to Pat's school or father's school. She drives just like I drive. I didn't get any bad habits. I don't want them going to some school and getting yelled at and getting bad habits. When they come to me, if you give them to me clean, I'll teach them my way. Might not be perfect every way, but I've won a lot of races on whole shops. You guys all know that. And I've when I you know, I don't, I didn't drive as much because I had a business to run. But when I ran, I think I ran pretty good. And I gave Lizzie; she drives exactly like I drive. It's funny when I'm on the radio with her, I could almost feel myself in the car if you could just imagine it. But that's what I feel. She's come a long way as a driver. Yeah, she bent a couple cars up, but we all have, and we all still are. I mean, Ricky's folded one up. I've folded him up. I mean, big deal. She took a lot of heat over it because of, I think, who she was and starting out. But, you know, she listens. And like I said, no bad habits. So, And I think as a spokesman for the sport, 
she's a good spokesman. She's a good spokesman, spokesman for all our parts, Total Seal or whoever it's going to be. You know, Edelbrock, all of them. Uh-uh. So I can't. I'm proud of that kid. She's a driver. Rightfully so. I uh, I certainly agree. I'd like to see you guys run some NHRA Pro Mod, but that's me editorializing a little bit, uh, just because we like to <laughs> we'd like to see her over there on that side of the world where I could get to see her uh, not on a television. But I uh, totally agree, Pat. And it has been uh, it has been fun to watch. Uh, you mentioned the tone the 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 Tony Christian days. That was a moment in time. That was a big deal. You guys both played the role very well, and in many ways, it was a roadmap for what we're seeing now. Yeah, I, I, you know, me and Tony said, you know, he came to Palm Beach, Joey, and he was just floored. He, I think he was more surprised. I kept telling him, Tony, you're not going to believe it. When you show up, it's better than the old days. And he's just, anybody he talks to, he just goes on bragging about it, you know. But um, he did say, and it was funny, they were doing an interview. I think it was Daddy Dave and Big Chief. They were doing a little one of them circle deals. They're talking and. I was telling just sit tight. We're going to walk over there. I get, let them get done. And they thought they were done filming. And I said, hold it, guys. Don't go nowhere. I just want all you people to know me and this guy were doing this before you even thought about it. We started this. <laughs> it was a little <laughs> joke, but it was pretty funny. But it's true. But it's just a statement of fact. Keith, you got anything here? Uh, no, it's it, it, like Pat just said. It's just this, this evolution. You know, when, when the show first came out, you know, everybody's smack talking and doing all that. And, and it, it just, it immediately transported me back to the late seventies. Uh, it, it's funny. One of the guys that, you know, I hung around with here in street race and smack talked and did all that. And, you know, ultimately we only get about three passes a night because everybody's talking trash to each other all night uh, is a guy named Kelly blue Ball. And Cle- Kelly's actually on uh, one of the shows now running uh, you know, with Lizzie and, uh, you know, and, and it goes that far back that, you know, he's, he's on TV now, but it goes all the way back to the seventies when we used to do that. And to see this evolution of how this has happened it is awesome. And, and it's like you say, it's great to see what Pat did and, and with Tony, it's, it's incredible to see this evolve. Pat, thank you so much for joining us on total seal podcast. Appreciate you sharing your knowledge and some of the details of uh, what it takes to make these cars do what they do, which is, you know, borderline unnatural, but you're doing it. And uh, thanks for your expertise and uh, shedding a little light on what goes on, uh, you know, between the piston and the cylinder wall and how Total Seal has been so helpful to you along the way. Thank you for that. Well, one last thing I want to say about any of the listeners, the guys that are just starting out, I didn't have the opportunity to buy Total Seal rings back in those days. You know, we had to use, it, it was Speed Pro or Hastings or TRW's junk, you know, so guys. You watch the show, you see what you, we run, you know anything leaves our building has total sale in it. Don't doubt it. Their price is right. You're buying stuff that has so much R&D in it, all of us working on it, engine builders everywhere. Don't hesitate. Buy total sale. And I'm not just saying that because we work together. I'm saying it because it's the truth. That's just a matter of fact. There is no other company for us. Excellent news. Pat, thank you so much. Good luck with your test. And thanks, right, Pat. Guys, I really appreciate you. the kind words, Pat. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Pat Musi. Wow. How about that, Keith? That was just incredible. Oh, that, it's awesome. I could sit and talk with Pat for days and days. There's, you know, like I kind of commented earlier, the man's forgotten more than I'll ever know about this stuff. And it's just, it's just great to, you know, absorb from 
you know, I, I'll throw this out and Pat will probably hate me for it, you know, absorbed from the old guard. Uh, you know, he's not an old guy, by, not by any means, but in today's world, you know, he's the, you know, he's, he's one of the senior guys. And, and to get that knowledge and to work with a guy like Pat, you, you just can't buy that kind of knowledge. It only comes with years and years and years of hard knocks and trying things and testing things and, and learning from your mistakes. It's, it's great to work with people like it's, Pat. And I just, I can't speak highly enough of him. It's funny you say that, right? Well, first of all, he says 67, 67 the new 47. It's no big deal anymore. Number one. And number two, in a business like this, there is no substitute for actual experience. You cannot just go onto YouTube and figure out everything about this. You need to have blown up a lot of stuff. Like there it is. The you know you try things, it doesn't work. You try something else, it doesn't work. You figure out the problem, like the problem you uh, brought up with your friend with the small block. There's no way to get to the bottom of that without tearing some stuff up. And there's no substitute for life experience. Pat Musi, Pat Musi Racing Engines, just amazing what they have done uh, over the last twenty years. And it was so great to have them on. It's almost as if you know we get to enjoy this ourselves, Keith. Right, we had Jason Line, we've got Pat Musi, this Total Seal podcast. It's like the superstars of engine building, uh, you know, sharing their knowledge with us, and then some people get to listen. It, it, it's an absolute honor, it really is, Joe. I mean, you know, working with guys like him and Jason, and, and so many of the others that I get to talk to on a regular basis. Uh, again, there's just such a knowledge base out there. Uh, it's always been said, you know, people have asked me, "Oh, why don't you write all this stuff down?" Well, one, I'm not a writer. But, you know, to, to be able to amass all this knowledge that all these guys have accumulated over so many years, uh, it would be the engine encyclopedia galactica. You know, I mean, it just, there's just so much collective knowledge there. And uh, hopefully, you know, like Pat talked about, guys, you got to pass it down. You've got to, you know, these young guys, you know, you got to gravitate towards these people. And, you know, I remember in my young days, there was a shop here in Phoenix, uh, a guy named Greg Grulick. And, you know, I'd sweep the shop. I, you know, I did it for nothing. I was there you know, teach me, you know, tell me the things that you know that they're not written down in this book and, and how to run that valve grinder. And, you know, just those experiences as a young guy and, and, and being around it, uh, you know, set the foundation for who I am. And, and like I say, you know, not being afraid to get dirty and stick my hands in this stuff and not being afraid to make a mistake. Well, exactly. And I think as this uh, show continues on and we encourage everyone to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, you'll be able to hear more of these. We're going to continue to have more conversations like this. But what I would say to people is that uh, exactly what Keith just said, you, you've got to get in there and even just being around it somehow is a way to learn. And uh, this is not limited to engine building, by the way. It's whatever you want to do. you got to inject yourself into the situation. If it's pushing a broom, then, yeah, you're pushing a broom some of the time, but you're also hearing and observing people that have the knowledge that you want. you got to do it. So, Keith, for those folks out there who have heard this and they're saying, all right, well, i got a question from Total Seal about an engine that I'm building right now. Uh, what do you recommend they do? Of course, TotalSeal.com, the website. But you guys have got great customer service. You guys sell the tools to do the job in addition to the rings for the engine. So uh, get everybody up to speed on where they need to go. Well, we all, you know, we're always glad to get your phone call. We're one of those companies. We want to talk to you. I, I don't want to send you off to some other guy. I want you to talk to me, talk to us, because who better to help you understand the ring that you need for your application? So call us. The toll-free is 800-874-2753, or you can go to info at totalseal.com. 
ask us your questions. Hey, we will get right back to you even on you know the day after the Thanksgiving holiday. It's crazy busy. Hey, we're answering the phones. We're answering the emails. You know, we're here to help you make the right choice. Very exciting. Keith, it's been an honor once again. We're uh, This is kind of a fun thing we got going here. I'm certainly learning a lot. And hopefully everyone is as well. You're doing a great job with our guests. Certainly appreciate it. Can't wait to see you on the next one. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you as well. And hey, for all of you out, out there, hey, if you're not going to PRI, figure out a way to get there. It's a blast. Yes, it is so true. He is Keith Jones, the Director of Technical Sales at Total Seal. I'm Joe Costello. Thank you so much for listening to the Total Seal Podcast. Thanks again, everybody.